Welcome to the Mental Models Podcast. I'm George Baxter, and I'm a hedge fund manager for SaberPoint Capital Management. I'm Dan Krawczyk. I'm a neuroscientist and professor at the University of Texas at Dallas. And together we explore mental models. That is how we view the world and what the world gives us for feedback. It's not a brain in a jar. That's the gist. Are you reading the book, Understanding Behavioral Bias? Yeah, if you uh, aren't, then you can find a copy on Amazon. And if you've picked up a copy, if you feel so inspired, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. Uh, it helps us to uh, basically see what you think and uh, improve our process. So for this episode, we're going to revisit uh, the protein theme that I talked about probably six months ago, uh, which was related to African swine fever in China, which resulted uh, in a massive uh, depopulation of the Chinese hog herd. China is responsible for somewhere in the neighborhood of half of the world's uh, pork in both in terms of consumption and uh, in production. And uh, the African swine fever resulted in that herd being reduced uh, by somewhere in the neighborhood of 50%. Uh, and we've continued to see uh, difficulties associated with African swine fever. Uh, the Chinese are frantically trying to repopulate their herd with very limited success. Uh, because as they try to repopulate, they end up with new infection, uh, end up with uh, really wasted efforts in a lot of cases. We had posited that the United States would be a pretty significant beneficiary. We're kind of the oh, Saudi Arabia of pork, so to speak. You can have very cheap corn. We have very efficient logistics. Uh, so we're able to actually raise hogs at a lower cost per pound uh, relative to really anywhere on, on the earth. And so as the trade war uh, was somewhat mitigated and we had phase one of the, uh, the trade dispute, things were looking quite bright for hog producers in the United States coming into this year as the Chinese had committed to buy a significant amount of pork, which is arguably them agreeing to do something that they really need to do anyway uh, to try to offset uh, their loss of, uh, of hogs. Uh, now, to kind of frame how large uh, the Chinese losses are, uh, they produce somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 uh, million hogs a year. And uh, the loss that they were uh, experiencing uh, this year was somewhere in the neighborhood of half of that or 200 million hogs. The United States production is about 70 million hogs. So really, they lost three times the entire production of U.S. hogs uh, and has resulted in a very significant over 100 percent increase in exports year over year coming into this year. But then we have a new development that has occurred, which is, of course, COVID-19. And uh, this kind of goes to show that whatever investment thesis you may have, uh, it can be disrupted by uh, any myriad of variables that may unfold that you don't suspect. And this happens to be a big one. Uh, Dan, can you guess what difference COVID-19 makes in uh, the uh, hog markets and the pork market? Well, this has been talked about a great deal in the last week or so, just uh 
pork uh, particularly and and beef and right now there's a, a lot of closure of plants in the u.s so so it's got to be much scarcer even than it would have been before well it's kind of funny um that's that's that kind of skipping a chapter ahead in the book as to what's happened because in the intermediate term uh what we saw was a lot of closures of restaurants you had a lot of you know with shelter in place people aren't going out to eat so uh the away from home consumption of pork and beef and chicken uh, was has been significantly reduced and for pork it's particularly a problem for bacon if you think about fast food restaurants or uh you know denny's or whatever there is a a significant percentage of bacon uh, or pork bellies that are consumed away from home. So what happened was when COVID broke out, there was an initial massive spike in pork prices as people went to the grocery stores to basically load up and fill their freezers uh, with, with meat uh, because they felt that they would be perhaps trapped at home. And then there was a massive plummet in prices that followed immediately afterwards as food service. And if you think about bacon that is sold to a restaurant, it's sold in a very different form than it will be sold to a consumer. And consumer for consumers, it's all individually packed. And so the distribution channels and the packaging associated with pork bellies or bacon uh, is very different uh, and consumption patterns are very different at home as opposed to uh, at, you know, in casual dining or, or in, in uh, 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 quick serve dining. Right. So, that all makes, right, sense. all makes sense. But then, as you mentioned, another curve in the story took place and it really accelerated this last week. Right now, about 25 percent of the packing capacity in the country uh, is shut because infections really started to spread throughout meat plants. And this, this also happened in beef uh, and, and uh, to a lesser degree in chicken plants. And just recently uh, there was an announcement this weekend uh, that Jenny O is going to shut uh, its major turkey plant. Uh, so, with all of that, we're seeing tightness starting to develop in all of the proteins because we're not processing a lot of the meat. Now, uh, though that, that ends up driving higher prices for the cutout, the, the processed meat, it's really quite difficult if you're a hog farmer or if you're a, a cattle farmer because they still have a lot of inventory, a lot of uh, cattle that is not being slaughtered. Uh, so they're just getting bigger. And they still have, uh, you know, their production, their, uh, those, those hogs and, uh, and, and chickens and cows that are uh, breeding. And so that herd gets bigger. And we're actually seeing instances uh, where they're having to euthanize a lot of these herds because they have nothing to do with the animals and then just bury them. Wow. Yeah, it, it goes to show how you really have to take multiple perspectives in analyzing this kind of industry, looking at the consumer um, 
the restaurant scene as well as a supplier and uh, these different movements are affecting each uh, part of this in different ways and it seems to be unfolding um, rather rapidly and um, dynamically. Yeah, if you think about it, ultimately, I think this sets up very well for Packers because uh, you'll still have uh, a fair amount of lean hogs and uh, cattle that will be available at low prices as those as they've backed up. Uh, but at the same point in time, with there not being as much protein produced, there will be a scarcity, so demand will likely uh, be pretty robust as all of that comes back on, and people want to be able to eat meat at a more reasonable price. Uh, and at the same point in time, we came into this year with very high levels of cold storage, uh, very, very high levels of stored meat. Uh, and for pork, it's somewhere around four weeks, and I think we drew down over a week's worth of uh, cold storage just in the last couple of weeks, trying to cope with the fact that there are uh, these the the shutdown of, of pork processing. And what's going on right now in the uh, African swine fever uh, situation? Is that is that looking any better, or is it still uh, likely to to be a struggle for the remainder of the year? So it continues to be a problem. When we had COVID breakout in China, it actually disrupted uh, the ability to provide feed to a lot of hogs. So uh, that actually further reduced their herd uh, that they had been trying to replenish. They're trying to pay farmers to try to rebuild their herds. But without the right sanitary conditions, uh, they just get infected again. And it sets back the process even further. They had uh, they had been actually purchasing live hogs from other countries and flying them in to China to be able to have clean strains of, of hogs to be able to produce and increase the rate at which they can replenish their herd. But right now, they're having to buy a lot of, of pork uh, from overseas. A lot of that's coming from Europe and now from the United States in a pretty significant manner. China has become the largest purchaser of pork, which traditionally was held uh, by Mexico for the United States. But now China has really ramped up uh, its purchases. So I think the picture going forward looks pretty favorable um, given the dynamics, at least for, for packers. Uh, I don't know that I would want to be raising hogs, uh, but uh, because there's probably some losses now, they're definitely losing money now per head, and there's probably some losses in the future. But ultimately, they say in the commodities market, the cure for low prices is low prices. Uh, and that uh, you have increased demand that, are, that tends to occur when you have low prices. Uh, and you also end up uh, with less incentive to provide supply. Uh, that's just how a market works. So ultimately, I think the picture will look better for both hog producers and, and definitely for packers. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, unless you're able to be a packer that has not suffered from COVID-19 and you are able to continue to keep your plant open, which you, you should be able to print money at this point in time. Uh, Seaboard Foods, which is one that we have, they're fortunate in that they have not had to shut any plants yet. But on the other side of this, 
if cold storage is significantly reduced, uh, then the dynamics for that market tend to look a lot more favorable. All right. So in this episode, it's been a big update on the protein situation um, with initially revisiting African swine fever. And then, of course, a lot of societal demand changes with COVID-19. So this is one that we'll likely revisit yet again. Uh, it's a good example of how uh, it's necessary to take a deep dive on uh, an industry, analyze it from multiple perspectives, and factor in these moving pieces and how they're going to unfold over time. So uh, thanks for the update, George, and uh, we'll speak to you again. I think my takeaway from this is just that uh, we never foresaw the development of COVID-19 and what that might do to this market. So even though we have, we were pretty confident, and we still are, because there's a just a shortage of pork uh, on the earth at this point in time after African swine fever, uh, you can still have developments that come out of left field that you don't anticipate that can really delay uh, any sort of realization of your thesis. So that wraps it up. Thank you for spending your time listening to the Mental Models Podcast. Content matters because your brain does not exist in a job. Please subscribe and like Mental Models Podcast. The five-starred book, Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision Making, is available through Amazon. This book will help you overcome the biases that are keeping you from investing success. The Mental Models Podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.